I podcast like I make love. Very occasionally. Uh, on my own in the bathroom. <laughs> Mainly just audio. <laughs> 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 Jam it. Hello. We ready? Hello and welcome to the Professor and Barney podcast week three. My goodness, the response to this podcast has been mediocre at best. Oh, that's yeah. great. They said it had never happened week three and uh, we just came in and decided to do it anyway. We did. Yeah. Um, voices you're hearing. Barney, how are you? I'm well, mate. How are you? Very well. Nick Ratto. Yes, very well. Thank you. And Tommy Tuxedo. Hey, guys. How are we? Super duper. Now, the way this podcast works is we pick a topic from the week and then based on something that has happened in the sporting realm, we mm. then dig deeper into, Barney, the sporting... Annals. Annals. We <laughs> dig deep into the annals <laughs> and we see how we go. Now, before we get into what our topic is, Tommy, we, we want you to read out. We've had a few five-star reviews. People are on board. Oh, giddy what? up. What? Could you dive in and read one for us, please? Absolutely. Um, so this one comes from Maddie Choi. Uh, uh, yeah. it, entitled Sensational Listening Except the Kiwi. Yes. Oh, hang on. Uh, so there's five stars there. Absolutely awesome. Being a comedian in NZ mm. is clearly a low bar. It is a cracking laugh and definitely looking forward to every episode. Found myself laughing on the commute a few times. Thumb emoji, crying, smiling emoji. No, that's good. Um, good. Episode three. So what was his name again? Sorry. Uh, Maddie Choi. Maddie Choi. Okay. Well, that's thanks for that, Maddie. Um, and you're right. That is a low bar. <laughs> 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 There's only me and uh, about four others that do it, <laughs> and uh, most of us have got side hustles. Um, but I'm sure you know whatever. Uh, like, listen, you're not even my favourite Choi. I'm going to say that out loud. Um, box probably mine. <laughs> 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 you, you even like box See, kid, baby yeah, yeah. box choy. <laughs> I'm more of a pack choy guy. Yeah. Oh, really? oh, yeah. Shorter in stature, fresher in taste. And it doesn't mean that we like Matt any less uh, or that it's a low bar. of You know, Matt's probably the lowest bar of the choice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I'll I tell you what, Matt, Matt and a bit of oyster sauce. <laughs> you know? yeah. All right, get on there, leave a five-star review. Review, we might read you out and then... And, um, you know, they don't all have to be bagging on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't have to be. <laughs> a few other easy targets in this room. Um, yeah, leave a five-star review. Okay, Tommy, what's today's comeback? Oh, f I f that. What is today's topic? <laughs> Tommy, what is today's to topic? Uh, the topic, gentlemen, is comebacks. Surprise, surprise. So we're sort of looking back in a the last couple of weeks, not necessarily last week, um, but uh, a couple of weeks ago we had the President's Cup comeback, uh, the US coming back and beating the internationals mm. from a record deficit led by Tiger Woods, Mr. 9-9 through the windshield. Um, <laughs> our, second, our second comeback in the last few weeks is, um, is uh, the India were 1-0 down in the, uh, the one-day series, the ODI series over in India. And uh, comprehensively beaten in that first one. They yeah, were spanked. I mean, mm. It's like the first time in a long time India have been beaten by 10 wickets. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, we had, we had, so Finch and Warner went bananas and, and won that. But the Indians came back and won the next two. So we lost the series over there. 
And then the third comeback is obviously the notorious Conor McGregor coming back to the UFC and dismantling Cowboy Cerrone, Donald Cowboy Cerrone in 40 seconds. So, mm. yeah, they're the three comebacks that did inspired you just put our a, topic. Did you, just put a, did you just put an H on Cerrone's name? Did I call him Cerrone? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think God. it's a sausage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Chipolata. Uh, no, uh, so does he, do they still get paid the same amount even though it's only 40 seconds? Oh, uh, they do, yes. But, but they I'm also get a short shift. Yeah, but they also get a winner's bonus, I think, sometimes too. So but winning that I'm, quickly. I'm guessing Cerrone didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I think <laughs> my Cerrone definitely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Cerrone got a couple of million dollars for his purse. And then um, McGregor got something out. <laughs> I love it. I love that fighting has purses. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just quietly. It is, it is, I just like to see them walking out with their little purses. Oh. Was it a duffel or a clutch? Like, what are we talking? Yeah, oh, this is one of those clip ones. And, um, yeah, and um, McGregor won, uh, well, he was hoping to win about $80 million um, for his Velcro wallet. <laughs> oh my he does strike me as a Velcro wallet kind of guy. Oh, and he'd have the chain. For 40 seconds worth of work. Well, that's sort of like um, including his purse, including pay-per-view numbers, including like, advertising, oh, endorsements, all that kind of stuff. But that's what he was hoping. I don't know. The final figures haven't come in yet, but... Um, Hopefully they come in during the show. Well, and that's we can right. keep everybody up to date with that. Okay, mm. so that's enough of, of that uh, Conor McGregor crap. Yep. Listen. <laughs> Comebacks. Whatever it is. Based on that, um, those three great comebacks, Tommy, today we're going to be looking at A, the best comebacks during a match or series. Correct. Yep. And also the best career comebacks. Correct. Mm. Okay, very good. Um, once again, I want to start today by doing a bit of the psychology of comebacks. Okay. Do you mind here if we, we do this? No, Not no, I didn't. This, I was just thinking about it at home. All go, right? Dr. Freud. Here no, we go. No, no, I yeah. just think it's interesting. What makes a team that's so far in front yeah. lose to a team that's so far behind that basically have nothing left? Sometimes. I think sometimes it gets in a player's head too that this is going too well. Your game plan's sort of out the window at that point. It's not the arm wrestle you thought it was. They're laying down. What's going on? I think that can mess with a, a player's head. I think you also head. start banking the check. I yeah. think you're also like, I've won this. I've won mm. this. I, I actually think of the flip side where the team that's coming from behind basically has now officially has nothing to lose. So all inhibitions thrown out the window. So they all of a sudden, all of a sudden start. <laughs> start making out. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, they all of a sudden that start. That would be distracting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Playing fancy free whatever sport it is. <laughs> yeah. The way they should have played from the start. And then the guy that's miles in front doesn't know what to do. I'm yeah. telling you now, I reckon there have been occasions where the team that are leading by miles have just fluked it. And the reality is they're actually a lot shitter than... And they get found out halfway through. But I think also we're inherently lazy as human beings. So... um, We are. Yeah. So for me personally, if I've... If I have to put up the shelves in the spare room, um, I'm not going to do it till the last minute. So technically, that's a comeback. Uh, I see what so you mean. Like, I is there some shelves that need to go up at the moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I should really be doing that instead of this. But um, the th- yeah, I think that we're really lazy. So I think some teams they just don't turn it on until they have to. Right. It was but, the old MS Doney thing, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. You just sat back, did jack shit for what. 39 overs. And I thought you were going to say 29 years. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you just wait to the last minute. Okay, yeah. I don't know if we covered off anything there. Let's get straight into the favourite Aussie 
slash Kiwi comeback. Thank We've you. added a different category this week, Nick. Yep. You sent in an email <laughs> to me. And I, <laughs> to HR. Did, you did. And we've had to add Kiwi on this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Nick, why don't you lead off with your favourite Kiwi comeback? Okay. Well, not, I don't know if uh, many people know of a team Probably called the not. All Blacks. Um, now, in New Zealand, we uh, – all our sporting teams – this is how big the All Blacks are. That all of our – <laughs> all of our sporting teams are like almost franchises off the All Blacks. So right. our basketball team are called the Tall Blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, our hockey team is called the Black Sticks. Um, our badminton, <laughs> our badminton team is called the Black Cocks. <laughs> In-, <laughs> In this day and age, really? <laughs> it's oh uh, it's quite um, it's quite risque, isn't it? It is. And well, the plus, the plus also size, the plus size badminton team, <laughs> the BBCs, <laughs> but not but not <laughs> the BBCs. Yeah, they have a lot of pay per view type events, <laughs> um, but not all of our teams. Are, so some of them, like our netball team, are the Silver Ferns. And this is how much we don't actually care about um, soccer, football in New Zealand, um, is that they're called the All Whites. Now, God. as you say, like wow. in terms of controversial naming, so we didn't qualify for about 18 years for the Football World Cup and our team's called the All Whites. And for the first time in 18 years, guess which country hosted... South Africa. Yeah. And you called yourself <laughs> the All Whites. Oh, my God. My God. God. That's so New Zealand, though. <laughs> There's that innocence. I bet they would have shown up and been like, hey, we're here for the soccer. Yeah. And they're like, uh, what's your team? Oh, All Whites. Oh, uh, oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh, oh no. I didn't realise it. Oh, shit. You're about 20 years too late, bro. <laughs> but weirdly, right. we get a lot of support in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know why. They're like, oh, okay, this is good. We're just mainly in one section. Um, but it was, um, yeah, it was. It's it's a it's it's a thing that that's how big the All Blacks are. So uh, the All Blacks, um, and this was in 2013. At the time, they'd never had lost to Ireland, um, and they were gunning for a record 14 uh, tests unbeaten. So in a season, they went 14. Uh, they were going to go 14 unbeaten, and um, we're away in Dublin in Ireland. It was the last of a grueling year. After the first, like, 25 minutes, we were down 19-0. And I say we as the All Blacks were down 19-0. Um, with time up on the clock, um, the All Blacks were down 22-17. Right. And so the, the game's over. All Ireland's got to do is kick the ball out. They hand the ball over. Um, New Zealand construct a try from 60 metres out, uh, finished by the replacement uh, Ryan Tuhotty Crotty. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and built on the composure and understated skill with the scores at 22 all. Aaron Cruden, he's got a sideline conversion, right? So pressure's on him. He uh, lines up the kick, takes the kick, it misses, okay? Misses the kick, so it's going to be 22 all. The ref calls it back because one of the Irish guys charged too early. And so you, if you charge too early off the kick, you get to take it again. And then the second time around, he knots, uh, slots it and they win the game. You guys needed that sort of refereeing decision in the Cricket World Cup. Holy crap. Yeah. That's, right. You just got handed basically a victory. So it's like the situation was like, um, I don't know if you remember the conversion, John Eels. I don't know. Yes. Famous down yes. in New Zealand. Wellington, I was there. Yeah, about mm. 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Back when we were good at rugby. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nick, beautiful. You can sit down now. 
Okay. Um, yeah. That's great. Um, mate. All right. Um, Favourite Aussie comeback. Barney, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, let me talk to you guys about... We all know the story. Uh, you guys have got young kids. You probably mm. read the book, The Little Engine That Could. No. Uh, no, you've never read that one? I think I can. I think oh, yes. Uh, let me, yes. Tell, you, let me yes. tell you about the little Aussie that couldn't but did anyway. Oh. This is a guy named Stephen Bradbury. <laughs> Winter oh. Olympics. He is our first ever gold medalist uh, in a Winter Olympics. Basically, he's a speed skater. He's in the 1,000 metres. He's in the semi-final. Already a big achievement for an Australian to make it. Uh, one, to learn to skate. Mm. Um, not our, known our thing. Uh, to learn to skate fast. Make it all the way to a Winter Olympics. I'm going to say it's not that hard. Skating, skating, yeah. Really? I think you, any... you have ice. Well, no, but, we, but, we, but anything you can do where your hand, one of your hands is behind your back, oh, and you can fine. win a like, <laughs> that's pretty lazy. Well, can I say? <laughs> Why don't you use all you the arm? You might have said it's not that hard, but uh, I know who'd argue with you. Kim Dong Song, uh, <laughs> yeah, of South Korea, no. uh, Lee Juan of China, Mathieu Tricot of uh, Canada, because they were all in the semi final with him, yeah. well ahead. Right. They uh, they stack it towards the end. Okay. Um, our man Steve just goes, oh. Running through, boys. Right. Out of the way. Uh, his, his tactic was to stay far enough back yeah, that when, uh, when they try and go too fast and yeah. stack it, yeah. uh, he just <laughs> skates on past. Yeah. Was this in the semi-final? Feet. That's in the semi-final, right? What? Okay. So he earns himself from the semi-final, earns himself a final berth. Right. Already we're all like, oh, how good is this? Yeah. Our bloke. Yeah. It's a, it's a final. We're excited for him. Just, just lucky to be there. Yeah. Then in the final, uh-huh. it's all going. Right. We get down to the final 50 metres. He's about 15 metres behind. He's nowhere. He's puffed. He's, he's got looking. two hands behind his back. He's got two <laughs> hands <laughs> Like it's literally the lead pack. The Zamboni is already polishing the ice. It was and then Brad behind Steve the Brad. Zamboni. He's actually probably holding on to it. He's like, oh, but this is tiring. In fact, he's gone one bit. He's got two hands behind his head. Like, he's super he's, relaxed. Yeah, he's puffing hard. Yeah. Right? The first, all of his competitors right. stack it. Again. 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 What? <laughs> they complete. Just stack it. He is good enough because they well, basically what happens is the bloke near the one of the blokes near the front stacks it, takes out the bloke near him, yeah. takes out the next two guys. Bradbury, far enough back, can go, oh, I'm just going to veer around this. <laughs> I think he had the little Google Maps incident ahead. <laughs> no <Yeah>. worries. <laughs> he just took a, took a little detour around it. Yeah. Skates over, gold medal, Australia, our first ever Winter Olympic gold medal, basically because seven blokes stacked it in two races. So I didn't realise it was the semi-final as well. Yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Mate, he's, you know what I love now is he's now on the motivational speaking tour like, yeah. uh, circuit. What do we think that speech entails? <laughs> rest on your laurels. <laughs> Whatever you do, sit back, don't work hard. Yeah, yeah, it's all right to suck. Yeah. <laughs> think everything's going to be okay. Never, never stop, guys, because you never know. Everyone else might die. Yeah. You, you know what? The I've heard on the speaking circuit that they actually book um, about two or three other better speakers in front of them. <laughs> 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 but uh, he always gets in suddenly. Yeah, it's great. They get up, lose their cue cards. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Bradbury's, I got this voice. Here we go. 15 metres behind. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I, so Nick doesn't feel like he's on his lonesome. Oh, as, I mean, if we look at all of our five-star reviews, they all back him out. So I thought I'd join him with a with a, another Kiwi comeback. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to feel like I didn't want him to be out in the cold by himself. Yeah. Um, 
I've actually done the uh, the horse again oh. called Kiwi. Kiwi? The horse, horse was called book. Kiwi. That was the f- our first one. And it won the... It, <laughs> <laughs> it actually was a bird. Um, <laughs> but it won the Melbourne Cup. Uh, Could that, it, that horse not fly as well? <laughs> it won the Melbourne Cup. Yes. Uh, first ever Kiwi horse to win the Melbourne Cup. I believe it might actually still be the only... No. Oh, is there another one? No, no. Oh, you're about, about to claim someone. Uh, Here we yeah, go. exactly. Back Probably one last year uh, or something. Um, <laughs> no, there was another Kiwi. Well, Farlap for sure, and then um, uh, and then Pavlova. Lamington. Lamington. And then the one yeah, Russell yeah, Crowe rode in the Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Sam um, Neill. So, so the 1983 Melbourne Cup. This horse called Kiwi. Yes. Essentially, was born. Uh, was br- oh, sorry, bought. By a gentleman called Brian Fisher, yeah, who was a he was a she, he was a sheep farmer. What? Um, and him, him and his wife Anne bought it for a thousand US dollars, so like twenty five cents. Um, <laughs> yeah. And basically, the only reason why he bought it was because his wife really wanted a horse with a chestnut coat. Of course. Um, so essentially, they entered him into the Wellington Cup, and he won that. And they were like, "This is insane! Like, how is this going?" And then. When you win the Wellington Cup back in the day, that was a, one of the automatic qualifiers for the uh, for the Melbourne Cup, and but it never run over the thirty two hundred meter distance, mm. um, and essentially <laughs> they were all like they all had no idea how this horse was going to go. It was like thirty to one odds at the start of the race. Every thought this is this is a joke. When the horse when the race started, it dropped back to last. It was in last by an absolute mile. I think mm. it was like I think it was eight lengths behind the second last second last place horse. Mm. And he was That's so a- far behind that when it came to the final turn and Kiwi started, like, picking up picking up places, he was only mentioned in the last five seconds of the race. The commentator <laughs> had never, hadn't even said his name the oh, wow. whole race. Yeah. And the, co- the quote was, and here comes Kiwi out of the blue. And <laughs> it won by length, uh, won the race, and essentially it was the first ever New Zealand horse to win the Melbourne Cup. Came from came from like I don't know like twenty lengths back to win the to win wow. the Melbourne Cup by length. That well, is some proper Kiwi bullshit too. Yeah. Like, oh, just buy buy the missus a horse, eh? Yeah. Oh, this horse is pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we talk about the the well, Kiwi horse involvement we had on the weekend? Yes, sure. We yeah. did. We had a big win. We did. So we met um, your uncle, <coughs> uncle Murray. Uncle was Murray. It? That's right. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> because by law in New Zealand, everyone gets assigned an Uncle Murray. Yeah. And my uncle Murray is a bit of a legend. Um, and he owns, well, he's got shares in a horse. Yeah. And that's, I mean, as far as, like, investments go, I think that that's the most sound one you can do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as investment in a horse. And then he came to the show he last did. week with he Adam came to our show. And then we met him after the show in what was basically a back alley. That's right. Yes. And he was standing there with you mm-hmm. and then you told us, this is my Uncle Murray. Uncle mm-hmm. Murray owns a horse that's running this afternoon. Mm-hmm. We'd never met a horse owner before. No. We, Barney. No. we were very excited. We thought, geez, you meet one, this has got to be some sort of omen. Mm-hmm. It's serendipity. It is. So mm-hmm. we thought, let's put some money on it. Yeah. And we said, here, Ironically, uncle. another great horse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he said actually the horse's name's Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. So we then said to him, What do you reckon? Should we put some money on this horse? And your uncle, yep. being the very honest man he was yep. and is, said, uh, Oh, no. 
No, <laughs> no, no I wouldn't no, bother eat. Bother eat. No. Oh, you probably like, get some good odds. Yeah, and we're like, ah, we know what you're doing, Uncle Murray. Yeah. So we put money on it, which um, yeah. we did it through a mate's phone because yeah, neither of us are much into gambling. <laughs> yeah. Although we might be now. Oh yeah. Anyway, so the name of the horse, viscosity, viscosity. Yep. and this was paying ten dollars. Yeah, uh, originally, and then I think when you guys put a, a, a bet on, it was like nine ninety. So I, I was looking through the odds, and he was, I think, the worst horse in the race. Yeah. Um, and then, so what happened next? Came home from a long way from behind. Yeah. Made a comeback. Yeah. Stormed home and won. Yeah. Um, we got very excited at yeah. the pub. Yes. Um, and. Well, we were so excited at the pub, actually, we had a few beverages and by the end of it, we were actually calling the horse Biscotti. Yeah. <laughs> we thought the horse was and Uncle Murray came back and we were like, Biscotti! <laughs> and he was like, no, I've already had dinner. Yeah. And we were like, no, 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 your horse, Biscotti. Uh, a mate, so th- I guess the moral of the story is if you ever meet sort of an, an odd Kiwi horse owner in an alleyway... Yes, always. Always load up. Did, did Uncle Murray ever utter the lines that the trainer of the uh, of, of Kiwi said after the race in the interview? Mm. Uh, said, I never had any doubts on this horse. He's a champion horse. You should have seen him round up sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it how there's... Also the only Melbourne Cup winner to win a sheepdog prize. So. Oh, that's magic. Best in show. Um, Every Kiwi has to have two jobs. That's the... Is it like in Israel where you have to do time in the military? Is it mandatory for every Kiwi to spend time as a, a sheep farmer or a sheep herder? Uh, no. you got to do your six months? you got to do your six months. No, it's just ingrained us that you just know what to do. Okay. And um, you've got to do that whistle um, and that's why I have to. Le- I had to leave the country because I can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, right. But not See? the, not that no, one. Not the... a good looking show. Oh, you don't want to attract. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't. You don't want to attract wolves. <laughs> oh, geez. Not since the yeah. Bar Two movement have they really cut back on that. Is that what this podcast has become? Us doing sheep jokes. Jesus Evidently. Right. Yeah. Okay, my well, go. It's more controversial than the Moo Too movement. Anyway, that's uh, that's all the Aussies comebacks done. Should we move on to our favourite match or series comeback? So in a particular mm. game or in a particular series, yeah. um, I don't care. Someone lead off. All right, I'll go. Uh, now, NFL. I know you're not a big NFL guy, Professor, but... Uh, I, look, I like the game. I have to, I've got a choice. I've got to spread my time between NFL or NBA, mm-hmm. and I choose NBA. Okay. Yes. Because there's just so much. Mm. That's so why we call you work. Professor Swish. You love it. Um, now, We're Tommy... not doing that. <laughs> Third week. Shit. <laughs> Tommy, you are a, yeah, you're a NFL guy. Um, remind me again who your team is, mate. I am a diehard... Atlanta Falcons fan, have been since I was four years old. All right, let me take you back to Super Bowl 51. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, uh, New England Patriots, um, great. So I, I just re-watched the highlights of this game overnight. Um, and it started with uh, George H.W. Bush, God rest his soul, flipping the coin. Um, <laughs> this is in the midst of when he was getting me too for grabbing mm. girls and all sorts of stuff. Mm. So already a controversial start to the game. But we go out, first quarter, Real defensive. Both teams playing well. Now, Tommy, you 
I want to talk you through this. End of the first quarter, I want to know what you're feeling at all the different points of this game. So first quarter, we've seen a very defensive game. Do we not need to set something up here? That, a, that a little friend of ours had placed a rather large bet oh, on a particular team and was looking to win a very large amount. Tommy, Tommy uh, talk us through it. At the beginning of the season, I do it every year for all my sporting teams. Right. Uh, Tommy, it, Tommy sends his butler <laughs> to go and place bets. So I sent Jeeves down to the local <laughs> TAB because it's yeah. dirty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I put a bet on at the beginning of the season. I think they were paying... 40 to 1 or something, uh, and I, I put a substantial amount of money on uh, the Falcons <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. What is a year. substantial amount of money I'm for you, just out of curiosity? I'm not going to go into numbers. Anyway. What was it going to pay? Well, it was going to pay about $47,000. All right, we'll just divide that, everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? Now, is that a substantial amount of money for you? Yeah. <laughs> Does that change? The odds were only a dollar. The odds were yeah. only a dollar Continue one. Continue the story, though, Barney, before I start, like, steam starts coming out of my ears. So, where, where are you, It's Tommy? just over $1,000 you put on, mate. Yeah. $1,175. Wow. See what I did there? Yeah. Took the amount and then divided. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> you got that sort of money? Oh, my God. And for each You're of his team. Today. You follow like 15 <laughs> teams. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. Anyway, so end of the first quarter, how are you feeling? You feeling good? What's what's the thought? Well, if I'm not down by 50 to the Patriots, I feel pretty good. Like, mm. you know what I mean? And Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. If we're not losing to the Patriots in the first quarter, then I'm, I'm happy as Larry. I'm good. I'm good. We're still in the game. All right. Second quarter, Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback, starts to get a bit of it going. Adios. Uh, he starts getting it going. Two offensive, offensive touchdowns. 14-0 before Brady throws an interception. Bang. Run back to the house. A pick six. They go in. Yeah, they touch finish. back. <laughs> yeah. They're now 21-0 up. <laughs> right? Patriots, yeah. Patriots trying to get something going. Still struggling to convert. They get held up. They end up having to uh, to end a, uh, end a drive with a uh, field goal attempt. They get it. FG. So we go into halftime. It's 21-3. As Lady Gaga enters the arena, how are you feeling? <laughs> well, if, any, if Lady Gaga enters any arena, I always get suspicious and worried. So, uh, <laughs> but I felt pretty good. I thought we'd like yeah, Super Bowl comebacks. They don't really happen yeah. to that extent. So I thought we're shutting them down. So I thought we're all good. I thought and, we're in the money. And that's when the messages to all of us started. Yeah, I Cause, mean, because I, I remember we were all at work doing work, and Tommy was at the pub. <coughs> this I is, was at the pub. Sorry, this is half time. You would have been glued to Gaga. You're a big Gaga. <laughs> yes. 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 You would have been Gaga. Especially. Yes, I did. Come on. She nailed it. Yeah. But the <laughs> the <laughs> messages <laughs> start, <laughs> and the messages uh, are basically cash symbols. Yeah, money bag emojis. Money bag emojis. Uh, the raining emoji a couple mm. of times. Um, um, and he's sending back Gaga emojis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you, you basically, you quit your job. You told me to go get stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, this is it. Uh, this I'm is a, it. <laughs> I'm a thousand air. <laughs> so third quarter starts, right? Matt Ryan throws another touchdown pass, extends the lead to 28 to 3. This what? is huge. This is... This is basically it's continuing on like it's gone. Yeah. You at this point, are you? What oh, are you doing? Mate, I was. We were home. We were home. I was calling everybody, you all my were. relatives in the UK, being like, oh, "I'm sorry, I haven't spoken to you a month, but I love you." Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Talking to people I don't, I don't speak too often. Like, you bought oh, an actual really... falcon. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you were in the pub. You had the glove on. The falcon was ready yeah. to celebrate. I took his little helmet off. <laughs> 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 you know, but when you're up, you're up. You know, exactly. you know, nothing, nothing looks bad at that point. As as the third quarter rolls on, Patriots start to get a bit of a rhythm. They score their first touchdown with a little over two minutes in the third quarter to go. Right, and this is where this is where you still think things are going to be all right for Tommy Erskine and his <laughs> and his Falcons oh, because Goskowski. I'm very sad. <laughs> their kicker Goskowski, who never never misses, his 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 uh, one point uh, extra point conversion hits the upright. We go into the uh, the third quarter ends. It's twenty eight nine. So I'm it's just, all falling you know what? your There's way. There's a silver lining here. I'm really glad Goskowski found a sport that he could play because he couldn't even crack it into the Kazakhstani tennis team. Yeah, so right. I'm glad that Goskowski <laughs> Isn't it pronounced it. Gronkowski? <laughs> it's a different player. Hooray for NFL. Keep going. <laughs> okay, fourth oh, quarter. Race through this. Fourth quarter. This is where it all goes. Uh, here come the Pats. The Pats basically uh, go out there, basically end up tying it up 28-28. What? Mm. From 28-9 down, mm. here comes Tom Brady. Like basically that just went wrong, went wrong. on right, a roll. Right, right. It was like a complete reverse of the rest of the game where the, the Falcons were getting all the luck. They lost all their luck, basically, started and the they, fourth quarter. And then the pa- Patriots yeah. were mm. playing without Hibition. They were playing. <laughs> they were, <without> <laughs> <laughs> this is a crazy thing. Too. They were trying to kiss each other. They were trying to kiss each other. Their face masks <laughs> were hitting. Because in order to tie it up, they not only needed two touchdowns, but they needed to do two two-point conversions. They got Just, both of them. They got both of them, which never happens. It ends 28-28. Overtime, Patriots win the toss, of course, elect to receive, walk downfield, score a touchdown, Super Bowl champions. Yeah, we get of it, mate. Whatever. Okay. So you get it, mate. And oh. what... What air pressure was in the balls? Oh, man, you know what? It wouldn't have surprised was, was me. Was he deflating gates, gates that day? Greatest cheat of all time. Yeah. He <laughs> deflated the balls, filmed everything. I don't know, went to a rub and tug joint with his... Hey, hey, up. mate, this isn't that sort of podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <all right? laughs> I'm telling you, the Oriental Palace where mate. took his peanut butter. I'm telling yeah. you, Brady was there. Allegedly. Having said that, <laughs> that is far more interesting than the Do you want to go into it? What happened? Oh, the owner. So, Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft. Just for the end. And, and oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, to round out the story, Tommy, how did you how did you end that? What was the yeah. last message you got off Tommy James that day? Hey, well, he asked for his job back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was it was sad, weren't you? Yeah. And then also, like, how did – I mean, and also, how do you house – a falcon. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what? Return Thanksgiving came around. Yeah. They had no idea it wasn't a turkey. <laughs> yeah. I do remember my favourite moment of that whole day. Well, you didn't come in that day. Let's face it, it's you. You came in the next morning and just just the barrage that you got from everybody. Mm. There was, mm. I yeah. mean, more ag in accounts. <laughs> she she doesn't even crack. know what a patriot is. Yeah, she yeah. Was, she, just, she had a real crack. Oh, geez, that was fun. Thanks um, for bringing that up, Barney. No worries. Great Shall comeback. I? Um, yes. Off your favourite series uh, comeback. I'm going to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the America's Cup. Now, the America's Cup is a very famous old sailing race. Started in 1851. It's very famous. Obviously, or oh, you probably probably know it as the Old Mug. Yep. Uh, yep. Yes. All our sailors in this room. Mm. Um, very famous because Mate, the Americans... You are just a working class relatable guy. I know. I know. Um, 132 years the Americans held it for. Mm. And mm. then... 
little boat called Australia 2 stepped up, 1983. We were actually, we were 3-1 down in that. This isn't the comeback I'm talking about. Right. We came back to win it. And it was a big day for the nation. Everybody watched. And I think quite famously, Phil, we all remember uh, the great Bob Hawke had this to say to the country. Inside of the, the Aussie. Like your low twitch. He said, I want a fork. <laughs> so they bring him a fork and he goes, there goes your fucking canoe. Very famous <laughs> speech that Bob Hawke gave in the day. Was he your prime minister? <laughs> yep. yep. And he said that to the whole nation. How about his suit, too? There goes. Um, oh my God. There so... goes your fucking canoe. And we remember that. <laughs> And <laughs> it was magic. I, well, why were the Americans in a canoe? I always thought it was a sailing boat race. Wow. Mm. What happened to Australia 1, by the way? Um, we won, no. yeah. We won. <laughs> Australia 1. Yeah. So Australia 2, wow. So this is, uh, so you, you had that as your favourite one? No, no. No? No, mine is the other very famous Australian win in the America's Cup, which of What's course that? took place in 2000. 13, it's when um, seven Aussies, obviously captained by Jimmy Spittle, one of the greats, mm. he uh, went on to win the America's Cup. We were down to Oh, no, this New is my Zealand. worst comeback ever. This is my worst comeback. Y yeah, I've got that as my worst one. Yeah, well, I've, I'm doing it as my best. Okay. <laughs> well. I don't, was there a worst comeback category, Tommy? No, I don't think. I think, I think you've added a That would be best capitulation. <laughs> <laughs> so the Aussie boat... Um, obviously, <laughs> we were Hang up on. against Team New Zealand. Oracle yes. was American. Uh, no, no. Wait, Aussie skipper, Aussie chief strategist, seven Aussies on board. Okay, I know where you're getting confused because it was the the boat name was Oracle Team USA. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's just the boat name. You even had an English uh, tactician. No, no, that's so that, it's just a boat name. It's like uh, <laughs> like the Codfather or, or Titanic. Yeah, or or Boyonce or, or <laughs> Baby Spelt. Got Bass. That's just the Baby name of the God. boat. It wasn't the American boat. They just Mate. named it Oracle Team. When you buy a boat. when yeah. you buy a super yacht, you register it offshore for tax purposes. That's right. Yes. So it was the Australian. What you do? You think that was the American? It was. Uh, they also called it American McAmerican face <laughs> as well. But <laughs> uh, now, just okay. okay. Spittle. Yes, yep. it was an American boat. Sure. Seven Aussies. You know the best thing? There were seven Kiwis on that boat, Nick. On the American boat that took on the New Zealanders. <laughs> Famously, as well, Sir How Russell. How big was this boat? Sir Russell Coates was a director or something like that, and he was a, a turncoat for the country. So he, the reason why he got, do you know why he got? He's called Sir Russell Coates. Uh, for dedication uh, and services to New Zealand sailing. <laughs> and that's then he why. represented the Americans. Yeah. Well, we had Jimmy yes. Old Spithill was as well. But the, here's the thing, right? So seven Aussies, seven Kiwis, then mm. five other sailors from around the world. You had mm. Antiguans, you had South Americans, Italians, mm. Frenchmen, Dutchmen. It's like the English cricket team of sailing. There was only <laughs> two Americans. That's what I've got written here. It was the English cricket team of sailing. Now, yeah. um, the captain wasn't from the country either. <laughs> like no, yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> now, Australia, out, the very famous uh, Tom Slingsby, who was their chief strategist and grinder, which, yeah. uh, look, I don't know why you need... Great coffee maker. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, I, I thought it was a different type of grinder. The grinder's the one where you, like, you... Uh, oh, I thought it was... 
Okay. You went looking for the app, didn't you? Well, no, I was just wondering why you need somebody grinding on people at sea. <laughs> Someone needs to compliment the bumper. Yeah. Well, we had four grinders, two trimmers, and yeah. I was just and thinking... Four, and two dry humpers. No, this is legit four grinders, two trimmers, Yeah. which I just figured maybe things need to be kept neat <laughs> One for all the grinding. One over-the-shirt fondler. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, and an upskirter. There is. <laughs> good group of guys. So, in the America's Cup, as everybody knows, I'm saying this to people that are well versed in the world mm. of sailing. Mm. You've got to win nine races in order to win. Of course, the Kiwis are up 8 1. And then Team Australia, led by Jimmy Spittle, come home and they win. A um, couple of reasons for the win at around race nine, when New Zealand were winning 8 1. Mm. Team Oracle, they. They the whole time had been dragging a dinghy just in case there was a beach that they wanted to stop at. They, they put the dinghy on the mooring. Can I also just... They, hey, they put the sails uh, up. I'm going to interrupt you here because it's here even go. worse than that 8-1 down because they started uh, the best of nine series. They started it with negative three uh, points. So they started on negative two because they were found guilty of putting bags of lead pallets in their forward posts during a 2012 uh, World Series warm-up event. And so that meant they would have to win 11 races to defend the I crown. I didn't know that. God, so Australia's good. <laughs> so they, God, started, good. they started on negative one. They, well, the also, they is... also had a 15-minute time penalty because they buoyed up next to the ice cream boat. But also, race four, Team Australia won. And yeah. then they got penalised on that and they lost that. So they actually won mm. 12 races. Mm. My God. Mm. Now, my favourite thing, um, the Kiwi of the, of the New Zealand boat, Dean Barker, Dean Barker mm. who obviously uh, is He's... a wicketkeeper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and an accountant. That's who we blame for the super over, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> so four wicketkeepers on board. They, he famously said after race eight, which was a belter, yeah. Really, he said, uh, if you didn't enjoy today's racing, you should probably watch another sport, which he obviously said that to an empty press conference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Has everybody done their favourite series? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our favourite individual comeback yes. where we're talking about particular athletes that have made their way back. Barney, would this you like to... This is, uh, this is one of my favourite stories, a career comeback. Um, the man we know as George Foreman. Um, we've all bought the grill. Mm -hmm. we have. We've uh, we've lost George. the weight because of it. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous George Foreman. Um, so he basically uh, was uh, world champion. 1973 uh, won the uh, world uh, heavyweight championship uh, from a bloke by the name of Joe Frazier, mm. uh, another a great boxer. Lost it unfortunately to uh, a bloke by the name of Muhammad Ali, a little little known boxer, um, widely wow. regarded as the greatest. Uh, Greatest athlete uh, in history. Just very quickly, Barney, those names are great. Gorgeous um, George Foreman and then it was Smoking Joe Frazier as well. I feel like those names, like, is there, would there be like an alcoholic Michael? <laughs> like a smoking, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, drug addicts, thief. <laughs> there needs to be more of those kind yeah. of names. More like, bad, real honest. Bad habits. <laughs> bad habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry, heroin, yeah. Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one's doing those yeah. kind of names. Yeah. There are a few boxers known as the hammer. Maybe that's because they're on the gear. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but, um, so he, he shocks the world. 1977, mm. at the age of 27, retires, throws it all in. Mm. Um, now, during his career too, known as a bit surly with the media, he was known as a mean sort of a character. 
retires, finds God, rebrands himself as just just this lovable, uh, crazy man. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, he, 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 he turned it all around. He was, he was mm. this happy figure. Um, decides in 1987 at the age of 38, you know what? I need to punch more blokes. Wow. So decides he it's makes his professional comeback at the Christian. age of 38, yeah. Yeah. As, as you would. Turn the other um, cheek by yeah. using your fist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then... Uh, Returning the, after eight years. No, ten years. <laughs> ten years. Ten years. So wow. retires at 27, comes back at 38, um, has a couple of shots. So he, um, has a series of 24 wins, has a shot at a world title fight against Evander Holyfield, loses. Mm. Right. Most blokes would have gone, oh, well, you know, what are you? At this stage, you're, uh, what's he? He's 42, I think. Mm. Throw it in. Nah. He's going, I want another go. Has another world title shot, loses that. Um, and then eventually at the age of 45 years, 299 days. Wow. So 46, basically. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Becomes the world heavyweight champion again. Unreal. Unbelievable. What a comeback. Now, this Who is. Who did he beat? Who did he beat? That's a good question. Uh, Lazy he... Nigel. <laughs> no, a bloke by the name of. of One Michael. armed Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Armless Andy Prince. <laughs> <laughs> and his first name was Juan. Juan armed Rodriguez. <laughs> I think you'll find he beat Michael the Glass Jaw Mora. <laughs> My favourite. Uh, uh, my favourite career comeback is Bjorn Borg. Uh, uh, the Borg, he, he stunned the sporting world in 1983 when he retired at just 25. So that's pretty early to, to go out. So he won uh, six French Open titles and five Wimbledon crowns um, before hanging up his racket. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> then eight years later, his fashion empire um, fell, out, fell out the way. Um, his Swedish estate, Stockholm apartment, yacht and cars were all auctioned off to pay for the company's creditors and started going into this like really oh, financial no. debt. I have oh, to say no. his underpants, though, incredibly comfortable. Are they? I got do, do you mean <laughs> you probably actually own Bjorn Borg? No, yeah. no, no. Did you buy them Wait, from his think, auction? No, no, I just stole them one night. I, I woke up one I took a business shirt too. It was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just, have you seen Risky Business? <laughs> Very pretty woman. Wow. He really life. needed money. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that's what Bjorn calls his rock bottom. <laughs> that's rock his bottom? Yeah. That's, what, that's what his nickname for Tommy bottom. was, rock bottom. <laughs> it's, not, it's not either here nor there. All I'm saying is the Bjorn undies. Okay, very, it was a sorry. very special yes. time in his sorry. career. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, so he gets to come back because he's lost all his money, right? So Borg, he's hired a 79-year-old mind-body fitness guru named Ron Thatcher, a.k.a. Uh, Tia Hansai. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was a shiatsu expert. And uh, he was the first to admit he didn't know anything about tennis. Um, but he uh, blithely predicted his ch- uh, his charge with his hands would w- uh, win Bjorg another Wimbledon. Uh, Bjorg called him, guess what they called him? Bjorg called him. The professor. No. The professor. Yeah, healing hands for the professor. <laughs> See, Tommy, when you... St- 
keep pulling away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and I say these hands are healing. It's every professor. So his comeback... <laughs> so basically what he did is he came back, but his comeback was a bit different, is that everyone was using, like, graphite rackets and up-to-date rackets. He came back with a wooden racket. And he thought, this is what I'm going to... I'm going to I'm gonna relive the days of when I was playing with wooden rackets. Tell me he wore trousers and a button-up shirt as well. <laughs> Very sensible. And the journalist said he's still the best player in the world with a wooden racket, but that was because no one else was playing with a wooden racket. He was unable to prove them wrong as he failed to win even a set in seven ATP matches or a match in two years. <laughs> and this is your favourite comeback My story? Fa it's the best comeback story ever. Because I love the audacity to go not only like you don't even accept time has moved on yeah. like you're just going to use the same gear um it's <laughs> it's like i don't know it's like not wearing like rugby boots on a rugby field like wearing sneakers or something like that just because you were pretty good back in the day you or... know when you look up worst sporting comebacks literally top of the list of all of them Bjorn Borg's return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bjorn Borg return. So I just love the fact that, yeah, he had the audacity. He thought that he could, but he couldn't. And, uh, yeah, wooden tennis racket's no good. <laughs> to follow on from that tennis theme, I, uh, I also, my favorite, my greatest career comeback, my favorite career comeback uh, is Andre Agassi. Um, well, Agassi. I, also, one of my favorite sportsmen of all time as well. Mm. He grew up in a pretty, we were talking about earlier, pretty hectic uh, family, pushy <laughs> tennis parent uh, where his dad used to chain him to the back fence so he couldn't leave the baseline and used to, like, what? duct tape his racket to his hand so he, could, oh, he couldn't quit. And he, like, tried to Was throw his it. dad um, that guy off Saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good documentary. It's good <laughs> <laughs> it's a biopic yeah. of, of a guy. I didn't realise that. Yeah, no, he's yeah. that around everywhere on a tricycle. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, Andre, I want to play a game. <laughs> tennis? <laughs> yes, <laughs> tennis. <laughs> uh, so essentially from 1994 to 1997, Andre Agassi had some, some pretty high highs, but the lowest of lows. Mm. He would uh, he was the world number one at the time and gold medal, gold, gold medal winner at the mm. Olympic Games in Atlanta. Um but his performances became extremely poor and his losses outweighed his wins. Falling, and His marriage was breaking up with Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. um, he suffered a wrist injury and he also just started dabbling wrist injury. He, I think you said wrist industry. Oh, did I? Is that why the marriage well, broke the down? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a part of that time too. He also started dabbling with crystal methamphetamine. Sorry? So, yeah. <laughs> he was in a meth. Yeah, well, or it's a oh. person called crystal. I'm not yeah. By the way, you don't just dabble in meth. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's not a dabble. You're all occupation. You're either so all essentially, in. Uh, did, you, did you hear about the meth bit? actually oh, it, no, it's, I mean, it's detailed in his book it's an excellent autobiography open and or open he used to he used to get high and, and go around his house just cleaning it immaculately yeah like get oh, the vacuum no, cleaner really? out what a hobby yeah. actually yeah. best that, friends with marie kondo the, it's, it's in here the, the book actually comes i've got that book it actually comes with a bookmark but it's actually just a credit card <laughs> <laughs> and a rolled up 20 dollar note <laughs> Great. He essentially in 1998 had slipped as far as to 141 in the world. Uh, uh, he then way. decided that he was uh, he was going to start. He wanted to come back. He wanted to sort of he wanted to find love for tennis again. Mm. And he um, he quit the wrist industry. Um, <laughs> and he ended up winning in a calendar year. He won five. Well, he fought, won five titles and leapt from 110, 141 to 110th. And yeah. then went on to get to 
all the way to number six in the world. And they reckon it's the highest jump made by any player, any tennis player in a calendar year into the top ten. Wow. So he essentially went from outside the top 100 to inside the top 10, yeah. uh, finishing that year in top three position. Wow. Um, he was also the oldest player at the age of 31 to finish in the top three at the time. Jeez. So he went full-blown, like he went just he, he just decided one day that he was going to get up and go. You know what he also did, Tommy? He embraced the baldness. Totally. Right. Yeah. So at he, what point did he get rid of the wig? Yeah, because he was playing in a wig for so long and he, he wouldn't go for the pers- uh, particular shots because he was worried the wig would fall off. <laughs> it's 100% true. Really? Yeah, so he wouldn't do, like, diving volleys because he thought the wig would pop off. So there's full there's French Opens and stuff that he would have won. Right. But he didn't because he was worried his wig would come off. Now, as a bald man, is yes. that insulting? <laughs> No, this guy's you know going, what? you know what? I'd rather miss out on a Grand Slam yeah. than have anyone think that I don't have hair. Yeah, but also, like, you know, I wore a wig for a bit, you remember? Mm. It was that Afro one. And <laughs> I think the big. key's picking one that and suits yeah. you. And you wouldn't, tell, you wouldn't tell certain jokes in case it fell off as That's well. That's right. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't reach for the long punchline <laughs> because I was worried it would fall off. No, but... If you're out there and you're starting to lose your hair, just shave your hair off. Yeah. Number of blokes that you walk around with, um, pointing at Tommy here, with uh, <laughs> just a little bit on top and they <laughs> shape it. And look, Tommy, look at this. Bend down. You just, I mean, you're about six months off that thing falling off. Every time he does that, I think, you know what, I need Devon. I need to buy some Devon. <laughs> just embrace your baldness. You know what, because as, as I always say, Means you got more testosterone. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, which means you're a lady killer. <laughs> um, is that you're finished with Agassi? Well, then he actually, he, I just want to top that off with he ended up winning his eighth, he eighth final, eighth and final major with the um, Australian Open in 2003 at the age of 32. So he, uh, well done, Andre. Good comeback. And, uh, and then since then has uh, had a comeback on the ice. His house is very clean. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just quietly, married Steffi Graf. Yeah. They've got kids. Imagine the tennis player they've made. Oh. If, they, if he doesn't chain that kid to the back fence. Yeah. He's, he's not a good parent. That's right. <laughs> he's not a good parent. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, I guess I'm left. That's, That's me. It. Greatest career comeback. Now, I want to take something a little bit left field, but you'll understand why. Mm-hmm. Mm. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, now, speaking of ice. Yeah. Well, I know it's not technically sport, but what a comeback, all right? right. So this was a guy. You've got to also realise where he comes from. His dad was a very famous <gasps> director, Robert Downey Sr. And they say at the age of six, Robert Downey Jr. Hold on Sorry, a yes, mate. So how was he – How did, did he know that he was going to be the senior member when he was born? So how do you – can you call yourself Robert Downey Sr. or does he get promoted – because he promoted. <laughs> no, he was called. I, he would have been Robert. Dad, he would have been Robert Downey, and then when they yeah. named their kid Robert Downey, Downey Junior, it became Junior, and you obviously become. You automatically now. Become. I've, I've got a feeling, guys. That Tommy will know. Both their names are just Robert Downey. <laughs> 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 and one gets called <laughs> Junior, and one gets called, called Senior. Yeah. I just <laughs> think it's just so you know which one you're talking about. Yeah, Tommy, I don't think you'd it's know this. You're Tommy. 
Patrick McLennan the fifth. Is Erskine the eighteenth <laughs> or something? Yeah. How, how many generations does uh, your family? Thomas James get? Douglas Edgar the third Donald Erskine. <laughs> oh, oh mate! Oh my God! How do you sit Just down? Just to be clear, with that? I added Edgar the third. Oh, <laughs> <boy. laughs> oh, those other Doesn't six fit names. On the right passport sheet. All right. Anyway, so Robert Downey Jr. Yes, I know it's not sport. I don't care. Good story. Age six, yes. his yep. old man gets him into marijuana. What? Yes. To Why? bond with his son. <laughs> Chuffing away. Age 12, he's In drinking fairness, alcohol every day. Age six, Netflix wasn't around. There's no, you know, yeah. you're not, you're not going to watch Paw Patrol or anything yeah. with your, no. your kid. That's right. So he is on, on the, the chongas. Mm. By the age of 12, he's addicted to drugs and alcohol. But what? still manages... To get into acting, and he's very good. He's in movies like Weird Science, yeah. the pickup artist with Molly Ringwald. Just, can yeah. I ask, does this speak to how hard acting actually is? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> like a truck <laughs> 12-year-old. Well, the best we've got. <laughs> you know, I remember they asked Russell Crowe once, yeah. legitimately, what is the key to acting? Yeah. And he said, just don't blink too much. <laughs> <laughs> and he was serious. <laughs> just don't blink too much. And they went, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Anyway, amazing actor. Uh, he got nom- nominated for an Oscar for, for Charlie Chaplin uh, in 1992. Then gets arrested for heroin and cocaine. Mm-hmm. 1996. Mm. He's into those quite heavily, ends up in jail. Um, one of your upper and your downer, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah Balance so your day out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're cleaning your house and then you're messing it up. Like yeah. yeah. Um, then <laughs> Nothing he, gets done. Yeah. So he, and he, he also did it all in silence because he was... He was it was a silent actor. film. He was a method actor. Yeah, he was a method <laughs> <laughs> uh, He ends up... No, one, no, no, he was a meth actor. Meth actor, meth actor. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so one particular incident, he uh, walked intoxicated into a neighbour's house and passed out in their bed. Awesome. Which, I mean... We've all done that. Yeah, well, it happened to Freddie Fitler, remember? He knocked on the... (laughs) He knocked on the wrong door. Anyway... Matt Lodge. Basically cannot get a job acting. (laughs) 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 Uh, For those of you that don't know rugby league, Google Matt Lodge. It's a wonderful story. Good story. Yeah. Um, Now, he... (laughs) He couldn't get a job, right? He's trying to get an acting. He manages to get one in Ali McBeal. He gets fired from Ali McBeal because he gets found shoeless and wandering around <laughs> high off, high on whatever it is. You know what? Working on Ali McBeal would make anybody do that, so <laughs> we shouldn't judge him for that. But anyway, 2003, he swears off it, right? Then he, he basically gets into yoga, meditation, all that stuff that's good for you. And then in 2003, after becoming clean, he manages to win a role on The Singing Detective. Now, at this stage of his life, no studio... <laughs> will pay the insurance on him because he's such a liability because they right. think he'll get back into it and he'll disappear. He can't get an acting job. So guess who goes in and pays his liability for insurance? Who? Mel Gibson. Give up. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Oh, good old reliable Mel Gibson. Yeah. So, I mean, Hates this is a no guy. One, Mel. No. <laughs> Hates no one. No, apart from obviously a particular <laughs> religious group. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, Mel Gibson, how is the insurance company going to Mel? Mel would have been pissed when he was paying it, yeah. right? He then backs him. Then they make the singing detective. It goes from there, rolls on, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, uh, what else is there? Then he does all the Avengers films. Oh, that's the name of Iron Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Iron Man, yeah. all that stuff. Tropic Thunder is yeah. now one of the biggest actors in the whole world and yeah. he thanks sobriety. That's yeah. when, he, when he gets up and wins anything, he always first thing he thanks is sobriety. Now, why do I bring this up? Because Barney, 
<laughs> have you tr- what about just one day sober? Have you ever thought where we would be? Have you What about ginger beer? Just uh, what a kombucha. Root beer. Root beer. What would you what could you be if you did? Bored. <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Uh, you could be yeah. coherent. <laughs> Obviously joking there, Barney. It's never going to be sober. The, um, <laughs> well, that's it. That's all the comebacks. Um, I think it was a reasonably, reasonably good addition there. Filthy Phil, audio man. Was there one particular story that tickled your little fancy? I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, Kiwi winning the Melbourne Cup. So, well done, Tommy. Well done, Tommy. Well done. Really good stuff today. Uh, shame you're retiring from podcasting. All right. Um, that's it. That's the whole podcast. Once again, as we push on this show... Get on there and leave a five-star review if you want. Leave us some abuse. We might read you out at some point during the show. Uh, next week, Tommy, anything? What do you got? Don't know yet. We'll wait and see and see what the week gives us. All right. Very good. That's us, the Professor and Barney Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you later. See ya. Hey, Ru.